Whoa, 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 what is up, everybody? I am Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Please hit that subscribe for me on YouTube, subscribe on the podcast, and hit that thumbs up for me if you're watching on the YouTube. We have a great show for you today. We have, obviously, Kevin Kincaid on, and then we have Vince Basile, the mummer who saved New Year's, who saved the Eagles fan at the Saints game. Um, Anyone watching on YouTube, let's bring in Kevin Kincaid, and I'm sorry for the shocking image you're about to see. Holy shit. What's up, what Pagan? What are you doing? Oh, I just got I sick walk, of the beard. I walk beard. onto this screen. I It's like I see a new man. It's like I have a different co-host. You know, it was funny because my daughters both looked at me weird because they've never seen me without the beard. So when I went to pick them up at daycare, the one was like, um, stopped him. Looked at me like I had like three heads or something, but no, it just get, it gets like real itchy, like um, you know this time of the year you get like dry skin and shit like that. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna chop it off. I used to have this look back in the day, but I haven't had it in a while, so I don't know. We'll just we'll grow it back. We'll grow it. Yeah, back. let's we'll, describe we'll it to up. the people on the podcast. Basically, Kevin looks like the lead singer of like this underground death metal band right now. All he has <laughs> there's like no mustache. It's yeah. only beard. It's only well, I guess what is that called? It's just just a goatee, yeah. Goatee. It's yeah, only goatee. goatee. Yeah. This is what I this is what I yeah, it's funny because this is what I looked like when I met my wife back in the day. So she actually kind of liked it. I thought she would hate it. I'll but, kick your um, coverage. Yeah. I, I absolutely this is further proof. Yeah, because this is what I looked like back then. I know I look like I'm like the like a session musician for uh static X or something here. You know, I look like a like Fetterman before he became a senator, you know. What was January sixth like? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> what well, was January sixth? Yeah, I, it's funny, man, because like, yeah, I don't know. I've had the beard for like uh, 10, 10 years or something, you know. So, but it's just further proof of proof of what I was talking about yesterday. Like, uh, we've all pretty much out out kicked our coverage, have we not? You know, I was not surprised that that guy landed the. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, Scott Ian oh. from Anthrax. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, keep going. You might be looking like the lead singer from Anthrax one day. Got a long way to go. You know, the problem is, too, I didn't have gray hair the last time I did this. So now it's all gray in the goatee. And I look kind of weird. I don't know. I look like. Yeah, I don't like it, man. I'll be completely honest with you. I think I I think we we've worked long enough. We trust each other long enough that I can just tell you, man, I'm I'm full. I'm full Kevin Kincaid beard. That's all right. Yeah, I'm not not like offended or anything by that. I just think it's funny because I look, you know, I look like, uh, you know, before when I did this, I, I didn't I wasn't going gray yet. I didn't have two kids, you know, so now I look I look like uh, Guy Fieri if he went to Ozfest 99 or something, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, Allison Chains cover band lead singer. Yeah, I'm, I'm Lane Staley in the AIC tribute. We're playing at the <laughs> Sellersville Theater next week. You know? All right. All right. So I'm going to do my best to get through this episode while looking at you this whole time and taking you seriously. I could do but this. We have to talk about something very serious. Yeah, you could do it like that. Don't put it forward. Actually, let's see if it let's see what the hat looks like forward. Oh. Nah, now you look like yeah, you look like you're just like taking mail in ballots out of the mail. <laughs> you're just, you're, I didn't know you're gonna get political with that. I didn't know there was a stereotype for the uh <laughs> January sixth type. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. I, I love it. I love it. Um we got to talk about Radio Wars. You wrote this. You dropped it. You dropped a nuke right before the uh, right before the show. Uh, you titled it Radio Wars, the lopsided fall ratings. Do you want to tee it up for everybody? 
Yeah, you know, we haven't done a radio uh, ratings post in a while. And, you know, Kyle used to do them uh, back in the day. And, you know, like we got away from doing it because there's just kind of funky stuff going on. We didn't really have like all of the the digital technology and the stream was kind of counted a little bit differently. We were going by the old Nielsen number. So you didn't really have a, you know, a full kind of snapshot of what everybody was doing at both stations. But um you know, one of the reasons we wanted to do it is because there's been a lot of change at both of the stations. And like the, yeah. the gap has just been widening, really. Like WIP has been has been pulling further and further ahead of the fanatics. So I'm like, you know, I think I feel like we're overdue to do something uh, on this. And people have kept asking about it, too. Like, hey, how's this show doing? How's that show doing? Whatever. And um, yeah, the synopsis here really is that WIP, WIP is clobbering the fanatic yeah. um, across all their day parts. Um, were you surprised when you saw the data? Um, no, but I was, I guess I was surprised at how big some of the gaps were. Um, yeah. you know, and like, we don't write, so just for some background here, like we don't put the actual numbers down because, uh, if I recall correct, I think Nielsen may have complained about that at, at some point, you know, like the, the numbers are, uh, proprietary and you got to pay for the ratings information. So technically it's only really supposed to go to clients but uh, you know then they get shared obviously i know like in the new york trades or whatever they publish the the numbers you know i don't think they get any kind of pushback on that so i i'm sure we could probably post the numbers but i try to just write around it and say hey they're you know this show's in first place and this show's in eighth place and so yeah, let's really I'll, I'll tee you up so the, the mornings andrew cataldi approaches retirement with no drop off in listenership he finished number two behind president steve on wmr who are a absolute behemoth yeah. uh while john kincaid and the fanatic came in eighth place in the market if i was going to tell you that what are your first thoughts of that i'm not surprised at all really i mean first of all preston and steve is like a uh like a behemoth in the morning of uh, monolithic i don't know what is Ooh. beyond monolithic like they, they will never be topped as long as preston and steve are on in the mornings they will never nobody will ever finish above and they put they put up like these crazy ratings that it's the they're, we're talking like um prime action news kind of ratings oh, like shit. yeah yeah but angelo does massive numbers there um surprised that fanatic was in eighth place i guess but uh yeah there was no drop off there and angelo did like a huge uh or no drop off i mean as angelo heads to retirement like he's going out on top and mm -hmm. uh you know he did like a huge streaming number too huge digital streaming number which is funny to think because i guess like i don't know maybe it's it's your intuition would say like you're getting up yep. in the morning you're waking up you're kind of like getting breakfast you're getting changed or you're getting in your car and you're driving somewhere I, I don't know how many people were streaming radio but i guess the app is doing really well i guess people just throw him on on the app or they're listening uh you know in other ways but that was a yeah it was a big number for them so no no i guess i wasn't i guess i wasn't surprised by that all right well let's go to the midday where it's actually kind of kind of kind of a competition another big win for wip joe decameron john ritchie finished second behind wmmr and pierre robert i didn't know pierre robert was uh, beloved like that in Philadelphia. I was surprised oh, yeah. by that. Good for him. Yeah. At yeah. the Fanatic, Anthony Gargano did relatively well, finishing in a tie for fifth place. This time slot featured the smallest gap between WIP and 97.5, a little less than eight share points. So while that separation remains significant, it was a good book for the Cuz, considering the chasm. Nice word there. Dividing the other day parts. First yeah, of all, chasm, the, big ca the big chasm. Sub sub so let me let me reiterate that. Like, so when I say a little less than eight share points, eight share points is still massive. That is like a huge. Um, gap. Okay, so it's not as bad as the gaps on the other shows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can you can you share the gap on the Angelo show or no between Angelo and Kincaid? Um, I'm yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
I'll vamp uh, a little bit. Um, I'll tell you what this what this uh, means to me. This means to me that Jody Cameron and John Ritchie, I don't see them having any problem moving to the morning show, and uh, they'll just take all their audience there. And I think I think I think the camera and I think Ritchie will actually be a calming presence and a presence that needs to be calmed in the morning show. Does that make any sense to you? I think I think the morning zoo radio is is out. I don't think people really do it anymore. I even think well, you could argue Preston and Steve have toned it down a lot since you know their their prime numbers you know ten even fifteen years ago. I think Cameron Richie would be just fine. Yeah, I think that's actually that's one of the questions that I put in that like notebook from earlier in the week where we did the five uh, the five kind of stories that we're keeping an eye on in twenty twenty three. Like I'm really interested to see if the camera and Richie replicate that like goofy morning zoo. Uh, uh, well, John Richie can't. There's no chance. No, no, but remember, I mean, you know, for the for a large part of what it is, it's mostly Angelo, right? And then everybody else working off him. Like Al Morganti is not really like a goofy kind of, you know, shock mm-hmm. jockish kind of kind of person, right? But I'm I'm curious to see whether they have like, uh, you know, whether like Eagle Shirley continues to stick around, and whether they take phone calls from Butch and, you know, the Dirty Thirty guys, and whether Marissa from Tokyo <clears throat> makes me want to jump out of a building, you know. So those are the things we're keeping I, an eye on there. You know? I would give it a month. I, I think they gradually shift those callers out. If I had to, if I had to guess, do you have those numbers or? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so the gap in the morning is eleven. Okay. Eleven point. Yeah, we're like rounded off to like eleven. Thing. All right. Well, I think everyone wants to talk about the afternoon show. Obviously, yeah. the afternoon show, which I was, I was surprised by this. They're good. Don't get me wrong, but I was very surprised by this. Marks and Reese romped to a first place finish pulling a larger number than Cataldi and DeCamera slash Richie it was one of their best books ever if not the best now obviously Mike Missinelli left or was was uh I, let's say let go or they had a mutual agreement I you know there was a bunch of stuff you could you could throw shit at a wall mm-hmm. um people want to talk about the best show ever with a question mark and obviously we don't have the simulcast numbers of what's going on in NBC Sports Philly and whatnot so obviously those will help and stuff. It seems like it, from what from what I'm looking at, everybody and their mother is listening to Marks and Reese and very few are listening to the best show ever, at least on the dial. Yeah. Now they were eighth place too. So, um, yeah. you know, it wasn't again, like to go from first to eighth. All right, whatever. Um, but yeah, the gap was pretty significant. I don't, I don't, you know, cause somebody was asking me, they thought I was pulling punches on the best show ever, but like, I wasn't going to give my like opinion about what I thought about these shows. I'm just giving you kind of like the data I, and the, the talk. I thought, here, you know, I, I thought you were like really, really respectful of the best show ever. I mean, they just well, got, it was always going to show. Look, look, I, here's the thing. I, it, like, Nobody should be surprised by that. Like it was always good. Yeah. The new show when you're following up, like Mike Missinelli was the most significant and most well-known talent that they've ever had at the Fanatic. So of course, any show that came after him was gonna gonna have an uphill battle. Of course, one hundred percent. I didn't but think they think it was, I didn't. I don't think they thought it was gonna be thirteen full share points. I'll tell you that. No, no, I don't think so either. But you know, I, I wanted to put that point in there about you know when Mike left, John and Ike had overtaken him and they had been winning consistently against him so it wasn't just like all of a sudden this seismic like shift there had been a, a pattern of john and and ike steadily improving over the years so i guess I, I guess i wasn't as surprised as maybe some of the what was the gap when mike was on um 
they went back and forth. You know, I think for like the first nine or ten books between John and Ike and Mike, I think they had traded off. So they were like neck and neck. And then I think it started being like four points, three points, five points, like three to five, four to six-ish range. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, but they always – it's always – I mean, it's weird too because – Mike had been there for a while. He had good relationships with the sponsors or whatever. Sometimes like the ratings don't matter so much. If you feel like you got hosts in mm-hmm. John Kincaid, Anthony Gargatta, I'm like, listen, who are all very good with sponsors. Like, like you could go, if you have a good relationship with pick a sponsor, David Dodge, right? Pella you know windows I mean? and doors. Pella windows and doors are Brad Bradford white water heaters. Um, if they, they, they may not give a shit about the ratings. They're like, hey, we like the cuz. We've always had a good relationship with them. We'll continue to advertise on your station, and maybe the data really doesn't matter. You know? So there's a caveat there. I don't know you know, how – I can't like give you a number on any of that kind of stuff, but there, that's certainly the case. But, yeah, I mean, this there, there is a gap there. There was always going to be a gap there. I guess so when people were coming back and saying, like, well, the best show ever, the best show ever, I'm like, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. Mac Rose brings up a good point. I know you touched on this, so I want I want you to be able to clarify this. Philly's run was huge for Mark's Reese, I bet. Can you clarify that for people? Yes, and that's true. But where they benefited mostly from that was in the evenings, like during the broadcast themselves, right? So obviously they they clobbered the fanatic in the evenings on the strength of like those Phillies games. And um they had two primetime Eagles games as well. They had a Thursday night and they had a Monday night, right? Um, Gilio's numbers, I believe, when he was on and there was a rare off night, those were very strong too. But I think the point that I wanted to make in the story was when the Eagles are good and the Phillies are good, it should uplift everyone in the market, right? We did we did amazing numbers yeah. on the website on the strength of the Phillies and the Eagles being good, right, too. But we're not the rights holder, right? So people, I think it's wrong for people to think that the Eagles – uh, WIP has the Eagles and WIP has the Phillies and they're both good teams. And that's why they're doing well. No, I mean, the fanatics should be uplifted by that too. You know, because of the majority of what they talk about is still football and baseball. You know what I mean? So it's not just like, Hey, we have the, the rights to the, <clears throat> to this. Yeah. They may get a better interview guest or they may get like, you know, exclusivity on something here, but for, for like when all the teams are good, everybody should, uh, everybody should rise to the top. We did better. Uh, WIP did better. Fanatics should have done better on the strength of that too, but it seems like they largely remained like stagnant or went negative from last year. You know, and also, you know, ninety-seven five does. Have, I know the Flyers aren't the strongest team right now, and I know the Sixers. It takes people a long time to get into them, but you still have those professional teams and stuff to prop up your your side of the book as well. Um. Yeah. Sorry. Say that again. I was reading the comment you were talking about. <laughs> so, the- so I said I know that the Flyers aren't the strongest yeah. team in the world and it takes yeah. a little bit for the, getting into the Sixers, you know, mm-hmm. right around this time, but that still props up your side. If you're, if you're Beasley and you're 97, five, that props up your numbers. as well, well. That's a way to, to determine this. Like that's a way to like reverse engineer it. Right. Cause you, if the people who think that like WIP really benefits from the Phillies and Eagles, like hypothetically, then you would see a boost for the fanatic uh, in April, May, if there was like a dual, Sixers Flyers playoff run and I don't know we'll, we'll wait and see I mean maybe in the spring book that that does show another pattern and we can kind of you know bring this thing full circle but I don't know I, I again like that's that's they're, they're still even even though they have the Sixers and the Flyers what do they talk about on the fanatic more than anything Eagles Eagles yeah yeah so yeah. I think I think a lot of people want to know before we wrap this up like what and you wrote this in your five stories 
that you're looking forward to in the new year for Radio Wars. Beasley's goals and strategies for the new year. What do you think? What, what do you think? You know, is, is Beasley is Beasley here in three years? Is the best show ever here in one? What do you think? Those are good questions. I know a lot of people bring up the idea of like, it's always impossible to be the the show that follows the show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you replace a guy like Mike Missadone, you replace a guy like Angelo Cataldi. I, I would love to see some kind of data on how many times that ends up working versus like becoming kind of a placeholder until they go to something else. I really don't know. But I think one of the takeaways from the from looking at the data was that Beasley is doing all right. I mean, WMMR is a powerhouse, even though they've kind of fucked with that a little bit, too. And they had that round of layoffs. You know, Jackson obviously departed. But they gave that big extension to Preston and Steve. Preston and Steve are, like I said, a behemoth. WMG, one of 2.9 WMGK does great numbers in Philadelphia. Um, They still have John DeBella. He's, I think, close to retiring. Um, And WXTU does well, uh, too. You know, so they're doing – Beasley's doing well enough in the market. It's just not with the Fanatic, you know. So I I don't – I don't even know if they really care about the fanatic at this point. I mean, it's like WMMR is doing good. MGK is doing good. Where is, you know, if I talked to Joe Bell again, I'd be like, Hey, where, what's, how do you, how are you prioritizing these stations now? You know I mean? Are you just kind of leaving fanatic on the side burner or what's, what's, yeah, what's the approach here? Hmm. All right. Hmm. How'd be one-on-one do during Christmas season? Do you know? They got to crush. No, they just obliterate. Yeah. You know, it's funny, man. Is that I think that I think that the sports stations don't even look at the winter book because the the stations that just play Christmas music 24 seven, they just blow everybody out of the water. <laughs> like it's not, I think they just take it on, throw it in the tree. It's like, it's like Jalen Hurts flushing a deuce. Yeah. Preston you know, and Steve Christmas are just like, we can't, we can't compete with B101 in, in December. After yeah. Thanksgiving, right before January first, we just get blown out by you know the, the other stations. Yeah, and just for like some context, like the other states. So when we say that like WMMR and WIP are in like neck and neck for first and second, and then the Fanatic came in eighth in the market. Uh, the other stations that are up there in like the top five or the top seven are MGK, um, the NPR station WHYY does really well. Um, XTU, I think one hundred five three is the R and B. Station, I think iHeart owns owns that 105.3. Maybe it's somebody in the listeners. Um, maybe one of the people watching the show knows. But uh, yeah, WIP, WMMR, MGK, WHYY, XTU, B, uh, B101. Um, yeah, I mean, those are KYW News Radio too. Yeah. And they're a little bit different too because they're on FM now. So they're not just, they're not just right. the old 60, you know. Anything else on Radio Wars before we move on? Now, now you got a double disc. You got Jim Salisbury stepping away too. Oh yeah, Jim Salisbury out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. a double dose of uh, media stuff today. Yeah, that's it a huge like- loss for the for the Phillies beat, man. Huge loss. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll see if Anthony Filippo can pick up the slack. <laughs> well, we'll have to inform him that I want him to go down there this year. Yeah, maybe I should talk. Yeah, what do you think about the whole Jim Salisbury thing? I mean. The last thing he ever, the last thing he did for us was win Bryce Harper the MVP award. Yeah, here's the funny thing, man, because everybody's probably going to read them. They're going to be like, "Well, weren't you guys killing Jim Salisbury last year or two years ago or whatever?" And I, I told him at the time, it's just it's a one-off thing, man. Yeah. Like I thought his ballot was bullshit, but we made a point in that story and everything that we wrote about it that, like, I think I can speak for everybody on the staff. But there's a ton of respect for Jim Salisbury. One hundred percent. Not just across the broad, but like everywhere, like in the market. Yeah, you because know, he's he was one of I guess I can say was. I mean he's still alive, he's not dead. He he is one of the like few remaining old school 
classic like beat reporters. You know, I would put Jim Salisbury up there with Diddy, Phil Jasners with 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 who? Ray Diddy, Ray, Ray Dinger. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like respect, yeah, but I mean, Ray hadn't, hadn't hasn't been in a locker room in forever. You know, I mean, like he like Jim was like an old school like dog like in the locker room of you know getting stories. I mean, really, if you think about it. Was there anybody besides Jim Salisbury on any of the beats in Philadelphia who would like regularly break news? No, no. Like Jim, Jim, Jim would be national guys. Always. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He. Yeah. He. He broke the Bryce Harper thing. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Maybe so, not the Bryce Harper thing. Like, if you were talking about like like a like a Heyman and a Nightingale and you know um, Jeff, uh, oh Jesus Christ, the guy from ESPN, uh, passing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, like Jim Salisbury was was competitive with those guys when it came to Philly stuff. But you want, but nobody else, nobody on the Eagles or the Sixers or whatever is breaking, is beating Shams or Woj or Schefter, you know. So that that's that's a huge like compliment. I mean, like Jim had great sources with the Phillies, you know. No, one thousand percent. I mean, I, I, the lasting image of him going toe to toe with Castellanos is going to be great. Him always the trips that they I always thought it was good content. The trips that they used to do going down to uh, spring training. I think it was was it Murph and, and Salisbury might have been. Yeah, like the road trip series or whatever. road trips, and that was always pretty fun stuff. Um, you know, he's just like a. She's like a, uh, you know, like a warm hearted looking like grandfather. And you're just like, you know what? I trust that guy because that looks like a guy that should be writing about baseball in Philadelphia and everything. And, and like you said, I, I wonder who takes it over. Does Corey Seidman take it over? Do, do they hire out? Do they out, uh, hire outside? Like is, is, is Corey would be next man up, I guess. I Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. They, I guess they have. Yeah, they've had two. Yeah, Jim and Corey have both been doing it. Uh, for NBC Sports Philadelphia for however many years now. And I mean, on the beat, you still got Todd Zalecki and you've got Matt Gelb um, on the beat as well. Uh, we'll see if Gelb and Apodi butt heads next year. That'll be on a on a watch list of, of items. But yeah, there's still some good people on the Phillies beat. But man, I mean, like the you know, guys like Jim Salisbury don't, you know, there's not a lot of them left. So that's why I think it's a pretty significant loss for. Uh, Marco checking in. Ray Ray Diddy coming back. So if anyone doesn't know, Ray Diddy is coming back for the playoff run. For uh, he's going to be on the desk for NBC Sports. He says Ray Diddy coming back is lame, and I own every book Ray has ever published. It's kind of like Jordan coming back. Jordan uh, Jordan getting a little stake in the uh, or what was he the GM of the Wizards or did he have a, I forget if he had a, he was a GM of the Wizards mm. retired didn't yeah. feel like being retired anymore so he came back and played scored twenty a game so I mean if Ray could still put up twenty a game. I mean, let's let's have him on. Let's have him on the uh, on the docket. Well, he wasn't doing it for the Chicago Bulls, though. You know, this would be like Ray retiring from the Eagles and then going to cover the uh, the Commanders or whatever. You know what I mean? So sitting on the it's desk true. at uh, NBC Washington. You know, but it would uh, be nice to have Ray Diddy back. I think I think a lot of people. I haven't watched any of the post game show on on CBS. I don't watch the post game show on uh, on YouTube either uh, for Jacob Media. I don't really watch yeah. post game shows, but. I think it's awesome seeing the yellow notepad there again. I think it adds some uh, a different layer to it and everything. It'll be fun. It'll be probably, hopefully, at least an NFC Championship run, hopefully a Super Bowl run. But I'm excited for Ray Diddy to come back. What do you think? I think it would mean more if the Eagles were shit and it was just like, hey, I love football so much. I just miss football and I want to come back and do this. But it's like he's coming back when they're like a Super Bowl contender, you know? <laughs> so that's that's the one thing that's like a little. Are you questioning Ray Diddy's heart? No, no, no. I mean, I'm sure he does love, miss, and love doing it in general. But he's coming back to cover the talk about the 13 and three Eagles, not the seven and nine. Uh, Jeff Fisher coached uh, St. Louis Rams. You know what I mean? He's like, wait, 
Wait, I don't okay. have to listen to Seth Joyner? All right, I'll come back. <laughs> well, I don't know. Seth, Seth, Seth was uh, picking up some momentum after two straight losses, you know. Oh. So this is Seth's. Uh, this is this is Seth's Mount Mount Rushmore of uh, of things that have happened during the season. Two, the told you three. so. Crowd is like dangerously close to uh, to cash in here, depending <laughs> on what happens on uh, <laughs> on Sunday. So, by the way, Pagan, would you? Would, if you let's let's put you in uh, mm-hmm. Brian Dable's shoes. Okay. What are you doing with your starters on Sunday? See, I'm probably resting my starters. I, I saw the whole revenge game factor, but I would say is 20% of that team even still there from 2020? I don't think so. Uh, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, maybe Darius Slayton. But uh, yeah, those guys are are, are are dead and gone. Joe Judge is dead and gone. The Dave Gettleman's dead and gone. Um, I think they probably just sit their starters. Why, why do you need to bring them on? Yeah, you know, I just I don't know what the upside is for them. You know, like you say, Judge is gone. They have a new GM. Doug Peterson's gone. You mm-hmm. know, so and the upside the upside is like what you you knock the Eagles down a peg and they're not the number one seed anymore. It, it really doesn't do much for you if you had a chance to knock the Eagles out of the playoffs. Okay, I get it, but you're locked into the sixth seed. There's really, I mean, the ceiling for like like real achievement here is not not much of anything at all i mean versus like the risk of you know if imagine if you put daniel jones out there and then hassan reddick breaks his leg or something you know i mean you would you would never live that down so i think i think i was this is what i was saying on the show last week and, and on tuesday was that if i was them i wouldn't play saquon at all but maybe yeah. real daniel jones out there with the starters for a series and you treat it like a preseason game and you know, maybe it's close for a little bit and the eagles pull away but the eagles shouldn't i mean the eagles should beat the giants at home with their starters or without their starters. So I, I, at the end of the day, like nobody in Philly should really give too much of a shit about who they play. Like this is a game that you should win. I mean, this is a chance of them to make up for the, for the saints, uh, the saints turd, you know, I'm interested to see what the cave on Thibodeau stuff will be like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I don't know how much you saw. We didn't really write, we didn't write about it on the site, but there was a, he, he was asked about the snow angel celebration next to uh, Nick Foles. And, Jeff Saturday called it tasteless and trash. We wrote about it on the site. It was kind of a, a messed up move and whatnot. He goes, I don't know who Jeff Saturday is unless I know who they are. It doesn't really affect me. They can't really speak on it. He doesn't think the Foles thing was that bad. Um, I'd be interested to see what the Eagles think of it. You know, is Kayvon Thibodeau going out there and is he playing? You know, does he get a blindside block from Jason Kelsey's Jordan Mylotta? Well, probably not Jordan Mylotta because he wasn't really with Foles. Uh, he was still, you know. Uh, learning how to play the game, but I, I was, I was, I'm really interested to see what what happens with Kayvon Thibodeau and the Eagles on on uh, on Sunday. He's got a little bit of. Uh, I was watching those those uh, video clips like from the locker room with 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 him, and uh, he has a little bit of like Kyrie Irving in him. He's okay. just sort of like, yeah, I don't know. He's sort of blathering on about nonsense, talking about like narratives and. Yeah, so here's another quote. They brought me here to be a savage and take over the game. Impacting the game is affecting the quarterback. That's what I'm here to do. Nobody thinks that the hit was bad. It was the fact that he was doing snow angels next to, like, Nick Foles' lifeless body, looks over at Nick Foles, and then continues to do a couple more snow angels. And then they're bringing out the cart for Nick Foles, and he does the sleeper, the the sleeper celly on the sideline. Well, that's the thing that's non-negotiable, because it's plausible to think that he did not see him even if he turned his head maybe he didn't realize what was going on but right at that point when he was doing this thing he knew that Foles was injured so I don't think there's any wiggle room there in terms of like talking about that being shitty but 
I don't I mean, know. It was just weird. Like some of these guys get up there and they're like, well, media, the media spinning a narrative and, you know, creating this and creating that. And that one Giants reporter was like, we're not creating shit. We're just asking you why you were, if you knew that Nick Foles was like dead on the field, you know? <laughs> so I, I don't know. Some of these guys get this in their head and they just talk about all these, I don't know. They take all these like floating around concepts and they jumble them into a sentence that doesn't make any sense. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he, Chris Long talked about it. it. seems like he broke some like kind of NFL code and whatnot. But uh, we have our guest on uh, coming up right now. Um, let's bring him on. We have the man who saved New Year's. We have ER Doctor from Epstein. Eps- Is it Epstein? Einstein. 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 Oh, Epstein. <laughs> I, know it's, I know it's where you start running the broad street run that's what that's really yeah. that's what i know about it um <laughs> so we've vince is it basile basili basile basile awesome um everyone knows the story now you've been on fox you've been on abc cbs news all that stuff everyone's writing about you how has fame changed you will you still save eagles fans in the 200 level <laughs> i'd say uh it's just been a crazy 24 hours really 48 hours i guess now i really uh haven't been used to anything like this before. I didn't think it'd blow up that much, but yeah, it's got a lot of people reaching out, mostly positive things, thankfully. Uh, you know, fame can go both ways for that reason, but uh, thankfully it's been a lot of positive things and, uh, you know, just kind of riding the wave for what it is right now. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, if anyone didn't say it, and, I, and I don't, you must be living under the rock if you didn't, but Vince was dressed as a mummer. Obviously, the game was on Sunday, January 1st, the biggest day uh, in the city. Mummer's Parade goes down Broad Street. You got tickets to the game. You're sitting in the 200 level. So I guess you hear a commotion or somebody say, hey, someone needs help. And this and, and, and an Eagles fan was uh, was was lying on the steps from what I've been told. Right. You want to actually you walk us through the situation. You were there. Yes. You know, I walked through Broad Street throughout the morning. Uh, we go to the game. I had like my dad's season tickets. So we plan to go. Um, yeah, I've been a like diehard Philly Eagles sports fan my entire life. So I'm pretty actually locked into the game at this point. Uh, they're losing. I'm not happy about it. Um and then, you know, we, we hear some people yell for, like, security about, like, a couple rows above us. Um, I don't really pay much mind to it, to be honest, till my girlfriend, who was with me, starts kind of, like, hitting me on the shoulder. And it's like, hey, I think somebody might need some help up there. Uh, and that's, like, when we turn around and we just see everyone, like, kind of huddled over this guy who's, like, basically, like, you know, heels overhead, uh, tangled in, like, the median guardrail from, like, walking down the uh, the steps. Oh, wow. Uh, um, yeah, so that's, like, like it kind of originally what alerted me uh, to it, so... It's kind of like walked over at that point. Um, first thing is like I have to like convince everyone I'm like actually a doctor. Uh, no one, you know, I got these like like pit vipers on. I got like this like rainbow face paint on the whole pink and uh, blue suit and everything. Uh, so that, that took a little convincing at first. <laughs> so I was going to say, so you walk up to the people and be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a doctor. They're like, get out of here, jerk off. This is a serious yeah. situation. <laughs> I think they thought I was just like some random mummer coming up in the area to try to like, you know, walk through or something. Uh so it definitely, definitely took a little convincing to, to you know, to, to, to sell it. <laughs> Jesus. Was there, Vince, we, um, the story that I was reading, there was there a, there was a nurse who was there too um, in the section? Is that, I don't know if I have the story straight, but I thought that she said that she went over there and was was trying to help the guy. And then did you come up at that point? Is that how, how it worked? Yeah, there was, there was a nurse there too. Um, you know, I n- never, it's girl Natalie, I never met her before um she just happened to be in the section over right there too um he you know she was a little closer i, I think she might have beat me there by a little bit um you know we kind of both walk up uh yeah i mean i guess right place right time for both of us but yeah she was uh just happened to be there sitting a couple of seats away from where this guy was <laughs> so when you get there what what's the first thing you do 
Yeah. So, I mean, like the first thing we do is like sit him up breaks. I mean, he's, you know, like I said, like his head's like down, he's like all tangled in like the median guardrail that are, you know, up the, the walkway. Um, so we have like security kind of like help lay him flat a little bit. Um, so we get under that point to see he's like, like blue in the face. He's like not really breathing. He's, uh, he's got some blood coming out of like the side of his mouth. Um, so that's like kind of the first thing we walk up to. Yeah. Uh, and from there, I think, you know, kind of both of us just like kicked into work mode a little bit at that point uh, to kind of go from there. Do you kind of just like go right into that, that, that mode right there? Like I, I, I knew nurses or friends that had to, um, not save somebody on a plane, but like go help somebody on a plane right now. And they're kind of yeah. just like that Hippocratic oath you guys take. It's yeah. It's a bond. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I used to seeing these things is the first time I'd seen it, like not in a hospital setting, you know, yeah. I work in the emergency department, so it's not something we see infrequently, but you know, normally I'm, uh, you know, in scrubs, I have a whole faculty around me, you know, whole staff, nurses, everything, uh, equipment, you know, normally I'm not in, you know, the mummer suit and <laughs> in the middle of an Eagle stadium. Uh, but I think, you know, really kind of because at first I thought I was walking off like, I don't know, somebody's drunk, you know, not a big deal to see. But I think uh, and once we saw him, he was like, like blue in the face and not like responding, didn't look like he was breathing. I think that's when it kind of like, you know, like a sobering moment. And uh, I think that's like when like the work stuff kind of kicked in, you just kind of, you know, going through everything we've been, you know, normally would do in a, an emergency department. Have you petitioned Einstein to let you wear mummer stuff going into work? <laughs> I got to see if they'll let me wear the, the sunglasses at least, but uh, <laughs> got to think the, the breathability is pretty good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, they're, 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 they're loose. They're flexible. They, they work well. <laughs> so after you got, after you get there and you guys start to go to work, what, what, what happened from there? I guess he, he came to, and then, um, you know, other people were able to, to get on the scene. Yeah. So, I mean, like, first thing I, I like tell the paramedic, or I'm sorry, I tell the security, I'm like, you gotta, you know, you gotta call paramedics because this is the, the first thing you realize this guy's not okay. Um, and then me and uh, the nurse started like feeling for a pulse. We really didn't feel one, like maybe a thready one at most, like a, a soft one. I mean, in that scenario, you know, we don't have all the equipment. It's you just error on the side of caution and just start ca chest compressions because yeah. the worst thing you can do is he has no pulse and you're not doing anything. Um, so, you know, she, uh, the nurse started first. She did about like a minute and a half, two minutes. Um, you know, I start after another minute, minute and a half or so. And then after about like three, four minutes of it, he, he kind of starts coming back around as uh, the color came back in his face. He's like breathing. He's like starting to move around a little bit. Um, at that point, we like sit him up a little bit. Um, paramedics arrive at that point, you know, kind of get him hooked up to the monitor and everything and able to take him away to a hospital at that point. So, they, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, thankfully looked, looked okay leaving there. He's definitely dazed and confused a bit, though, but uh, definitely looks better. Um, so you did you perform CPR? Yeah, yeah. The nurse started at first. Uh, she went for about like a minute and a half. It's um, I know, you know, it's uh, you know, not that many people have done it for. It's it's tiring to do CPR for a yeah. while. Normally, only have people do it for two minutes at a time. Oh shit. Um, like at most, you know, after that, I've seen the people in the best of shape. Like you know, if you're doing it right, you're like sweating by the end yeah. of it. Um, so yeah, she went first, and then I I did a round of CPR after too. So that means yeah, he can, can you? Sorry, let me just do a follow up with that one real quick. I, I I've never done CPR in my entire life. I, we should probably all know how to do it. Like, I don't know why we yeah. don't all know how to do it, but um, somebody made the point the other day. I, I don't remember. I was reading it, but like CPR is no joke, right? Like you're pushing yeah. like really hard. And like, these are not just like little, like light presses. Like you are like, like literally moving this, this person's entire chest reach. I guess we, we don't have a, I mean, what we watch on TV is probably not real life, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's a it's a full body exercise, to be honest, you have to like throw your whole weight into it. Um, I mean, you know, you're not just like pushing with your arms. If you're just trying to push with your arms, you're going to tire out in 10 seconds. Um, you're really like throwing your whole weight into it. 
Uh, you know, you really, you know, you're, you're fighting against somebody's, you know, their bones, their muscles on their chest, and you have to push down and compress against that to, for it to be working. So you really have to put a lot of effort into it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tiring. I said, you know, you do, you know, two minutes, you normally get like a four minute break. You have like a cycle of it. We're doing it in the hospital and, uh, you know, people that do like three rounds of it, even with the breaks in between are normally like drenched in sweat by the end of it. It's tiring. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask that you did CPR. Did he come when he came to, did he have like orange and blue and pink around his mouth? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we don't, we don't really do the mouth to mouth anymore. Uh, oh. that's uh, kind of fallen out of fashion. Um, really? Found. yeah, I mean, sometimes if you have like the right mask and all and everything, they can recommend it, but, uh, they really don't recommend the full, uh, mouth to mouth for most part anymore. Um, the, the chest compressions are really the most of it. So we haven't done any of that. Um, I mean, he started coming around. I mean, the first thing he sees is my, you know, like multicolored face and the sunglasses yeah. and all. So yeah, yeah, that's I, probably I, the I, thing to wake up. He was in hell. Yeah, yeah, that's honestly probably <laughs> might might not have been might have been the first thought that went through his head right there. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting, Vince, because there was um, obviously the Demar Hamlin thing just happened on Monday. Yeah. Um, you had the um, incident in the in the Euros, the soccer tournament where yeah. one of the players collapsed. Um, we actually had an Eagles fan who passed a couple years ago because he had a medical emergency um, in a different section and they weren't able to get help to him fast enough. I, I keep reading from people who say that like um, having the AEDs on scene is is huge. Yeah. Um, and these and, you know, like medical experts being able to get to these people in these stadiums right away. Um, yeah. If you guys weren't there, how how long would it have taken for like experts to get up to that area or i guess what i'm trying to ask generically is like i mean do they have all the resources that they need to you know when fans have instances like this can they get to them fast enough yeah yeah i mean they they having all the resources for sure you know they have medications they have um you know, like the defibrillator the ad the whole nine the issue is is time to get to them is definitely the big thing mm-hmm. i mean you know once it's let's say let's say someone's heart has stopped in a in an event that um the longer you're going without starting chest compressions really is the longer that person's brain is going without oxygen. And, and the longer that is, the more likely brain tissue is to die. Uh, and, you know, that's when you get like the really like devastating outcomes and things like that. And so that's, that's really the big concern um, for things like, you know, like with um, like the game on Monday and um, you know, like the soccer thing, it's, you know, it's, you know, I never want to say it's ever better for these scenarios, but it's, it's um, like when it happens on the field, you know, their, their downtime, as we call it tends to be like, seconds you know it's yeah, once, yeah. Once to them within within a minute which but that's is, what some people were you know yeah. not to make light of the like demar hamlin thing but there were people who were saying like this is the best place for other yeah. outside of a hospital like that's the best place it could happen there's yeah. that's true it's yeah yeah i mean you know we we always in the emergency department we when people come in and they're you know we call it coding which your heart's not working we we always say like downtime what was the downtime um mm-hmm. if if it's minute within minutes, you know, like a couple minutes, that's good. Um, you know, that's, that's, these people tend to have good outcomes, you know, or at least their chance of survival is, is pretty high, yeah. uh, versus, you know, someone who nobody gets to for, you know, even, I mean, anything as, you know, short as like 15 minutes, 10 minutes can be like pretty devastating. Uh, if, if no one started like CPR compressions, things like that. Um, yeah. so it's really time to time down, as we say, is like really the, the big key for all these things. So you revive the guy. What is the first thing he says to you? Uh, the first thing, uh, believe it or not, is I don't think you remember this either. Is that he asked me to score the game is like, uh, <laughs> like, believe it or not. Yeah, he he sits up and he's like, like, you know, he stares around for like a minute. And then he's like, oh, what's going on? What's, what's the score of the game? It's like the first thing he asks. 
Uh, so that was that made me laugh. That was that was really funny. I was like, honestly, sir, I haven't watched the game in a couple minutes. I I think they're still losing. Was my response. But well, what, what was it? Was it ten three at that point? I think was it ten three? It was like you know because this had happened like right before halftime. Uh, you know, I think we we still had a couple minutes to the when it was all said and done. A couple minutes to the half. So I think it was like ten three at that point. So. Well, he probably. I mean. To be fair, like he probably had no idea what even happened, right? No, like, no, he probably he, did not know the severity of what just no, happened to him. No, I, you know, um, I had, like spoke to like some family after, and he was saying he, uh, he, he didn't remember anything from when he dropped down to basically being in the ambulance. So you know, there's a the solid, you know, I don't know how long it took him to get down from the stands out into the ambulance. I'm sure it took a little bit of time, uh, but he had no memory of all of that. So that's all. That's crazy. So I mean, I do want to shout out the 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 Cara Leone. The Carolium, 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 yeah, yeah, that's our, uh, that's our brigade. You know, uh, it's nice, it's, it's, you know, nice to get some positive news about the mummers. It's unfortunately it tends to be mostly negative over the last couple of years. So, oh man, we have a video coming out tonight. I was down on Two Street there, so that'll be out at, at five p.m. Yeah, uh, how how the how the boys do in the Wench Brigade? Uh we we didn't do too bad. I mean, you know, we we were defending champs coming into this year. We had actually won last year. I think we came in like fourth place this year of like roughly uh, nine. So. Not too bad, you know. It's uh, we had a high bar for ourselves the year before, but not too bad. Would you take an Eagle Super Bowl or a win on Mummers? Oh man, I definitely the Eagle Super Bowl. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, they're both. I enjoy both of them, but uh, but definitely an Eagle Super Bowl. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, hey, thank you so much. Have, have the Eagles contact you? I mean, I, there's got to be some playoff tickets in your in your future. <laughs> so, like Jesus Christ. I mean, they should they should have they should have a Vince Basile in every section in the link. <laughs> Just kind of like you know how we do secret shoppers or those guys who like walk on uh walk on the planes the the guys who carry the guns on the planes yeah, along, yeah. Along. they should have vince basile just stationed in every section around the link yeah i mean i haven't heard from them yet i, I don't know i hear you know everybody knows somebody so I, I keep hearing rumors of people are like oh they're gonna reach out to you uh i haven't heard anything from him yet but uh, you know hopefully i hear something but uh nah, nothing nothing yet <laughs> good well hey vince you're a hero man thank you so much it was a perfect thank philadelphia you. story a, a guy dressed in his mummer's gear Saving someone's life. I mean, yeah, crazy day. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, man. Hey, good awesome. luck with everything. Awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, Vince, for coming on. What um, a story, man. I mean, can you, can, can you imagine, like, if he and the nurse weren't there? It would have unfortunately. Yeah. I would have ended up like the guy who passed in a couple years ago. That's the craziest shit, man. I mean, it's just like, what are the what are the chances? You know, that's 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 a great story, man. I love my idea of just having Vince's all around the all around the uh, the link. I know you joke, but they probably should, yeah. you know, but you know, it's, but you know, the real takeaway is here. Like we should all be trained to do this shit. That is a hundred percent. The most CPR training I've ever gotten was watching the office when Dwight cuts out the face of the, of the dummy and then wears it. Like it's, uh, <laughs> the thing about, think about all the dumb shit that we, that we can do all the stupid, like you. Well, I'm an idiot. I thought you still do mouth to mouth and you, all you do is just, you just, you, you do the press compressions. I would have been there. And they'd be like, sir, are you trained? I'm like, absolutely not. But I, no, I, I think somebody said it here. I think, uh, yeah, most times you break people's ribs during CPR. You're like really fucking pushing down. It's, it's not some like, you know. Yeah, like it, babies are different. Obviously, older people are different than you have middle aged people and younger people. Like, yeah, you got to do you got to you got to worry about that shit, man. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I there mean, was it's funny, too, man, because they uh, he was talking about. uh what was the term he used? Down downtime or time downtime without yep. care, whatever. The uh the guitar player from Judas Priest had like a uh a uh like aortic rupture or something, I think. Like his heart literally exploded. He it happened on stage, 
Um, he was ripping a guitar solo the entire time and had no idea he was about to have a heart issue. That's there really happened right. to be like a um, cardiology or like a hospital that specialized in heart care, like three minutes away from the venue. I thought you were going to say there was like some dude in like full metal gear who was a cardiologist <laughs> <laughs> who saw what happened. And was it was me. It was me looking like Ozfest. I revived him. <laughs> no, they got him in the ambulance, but because he was like right next to, I think it was in Kentucky. I think it was like Louisville. So he was like so close to the hospital that they were able to save him. But yeah, I mean, shit, what, hap- what happens if you're in, you know, bumblefuck and like, you, you know, nobody's there. I mean, we should all be trained on this stuff. You know? 100%. What else you want to talk about? We got about 15 more minutes. We've got Sixers. They look pretty good. Isaiah Joe. Are we going to go on an Isaiah Joe victory yeah. tour? Wentz gets we start paying attention. Yeah, we got to start paying attention to the Sixers, man. I mean, we do. they've commanded our attention. I mean, it's the new year. Well, Kev, I did tell you, uh, they are at an arm's length until the playoffs for me. I will continue to monitor them. Yeah. I did not watch one second of yesterday's game. I was also doing work for CB. I was editing the, the Mummers video, which is going to which is actually, I might need Vince in the future because that's taking life off my, uh, uh, that, that's taking life out of me. Um, yeah. A lot of footage there. Yeah. But uh, did you did you get to watch the Sixers yesterday? I, I saw that they were up 12, down four, Harden played some yeah. good defense. Tyrese Maxey had a big steal. Montrez Harrell coming out and, and giving good minutes to the backup center with Joel being out. What do you think yeah. of the, uh, what do you think of the Sixers? Yeah, uh, Trez looking like, uh, david robinson out there at the times you know um it looked like another classic like doc rivers collapse you know but they uh tyrese maxi had that huge steal at the end there and then defensive plays down the stretch you know it's like crazy because indy was just uh isoing harden over and over again and uh you know in the overtime didn't really get anything out of it you know they had the he had the one that he knocked off the guy's leg, and yeah. then he had the block at the end of the game to kind of make up for missing the two free throws there. But that's uh, 11, 11 in a row at home now? 11 in a row. I think they've won 15 of 16 at home. I think the last home loss was that Timberwolves game on the second night of the back-to-back where I think they beat Milwaukee on the, the front night. You know, But they, they – I mean, they're fine in a way, man. They're only two and a half out of first, and then there's a little bit of a gap before you go. I mean, they're still fifth in the East, but they're only two and a half behind the Celtics, and then there's a little bit of a gap. I think there's a three-game gap before you get to, like, that Toronto-Miami cluster. Yeah. So they're, they're actually ahead, believe it or not. They're actually, as, as of January 5th this year, they're ahead of where they were at this time last year. No, I mean, that's the thing, too, and I think people are still going to have a hard time getting involved in the Sixers. I think it's EJM has a good point right here. Can't believe Doc is going to be here all year because all we heard about was fire Doc, fire Doc, fire Doc. And I think people want to buy into this team, and I think they're going to be more like me where they're like, hey, we appreciate what you're doing, 15 to 16 at home. They had that eight-game, nine-game win streak uh, only a couple weeks ago. I still think people are going to have such a tough time just buying in because they're just they, all they have in the back of their mind is the second round exit because yeah. Doc Rivers is the coach. Because, you know, Doc, Doc kind of got, I don't want to say he got a lucky draw and whatnot, but the injuries helped him in, in the beginning. Like if they were losing with a full squad with Tyrese Maxey, with James Harden before those injuries went down, I think, and they probably would have pulled the trigger on firing Doc. But now you, you got to ride it out. I mean, the guys, you know, maybe he, maybe. Maybe he's got a maybe he uh, struck a nerve. Maybe these guys are starting to buy in. I I don't know. I still don't believe it. I mean, I I still has have. I just I just have these 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 thoughts of of, of James Harden. You know, is he going to be bought in 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 April in May? You don't know, but I mean, and also you know, 
they don't come back and win yesterday, we're talking about a whole different story today. I mean, they were up 12. It's a classic dock collapse. They're down four. They end up winning in uh, in overtime, correct? Yeah, yeah. But I think you're – I don't blame you for being for keeping them at an arm's length. I think there's a lot of people who probably feel the same way that you do about that. You know, like this team has had – high you know aspirations for more than half a decade now so how do you how do you get how do you get hyped for the pacers in january you know i get all that um yeah but at the same time i think you can try to pull some patterns and pull some some you know stories out of out of this part of the year that can probably be applicable to the playoffs which is the like anthony mountain the anthony mountain the anthony mountain great signing uh pj tucker looks to be like a huge net negative out there Matisse Thibel putting up plus plus numbers, but getting a career low in minutes, you know? So I think you're trying to identify like doc patterns. And like, is he falling into the same thing of years past of like not experimenting with the bench, not rolling a bunch of different lineups, not kind of like exploring value in the margins and and trying to, trying to make these work and do as much exploration as he can in the regular season. So that when you get to the playoffs, you, you know, what your rotation is. You're not throwing out 10 dudes. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I think, the kind of stuff you pay attention to. Everybody knows that, like, the Stars, we'll see how the Stars do when they get to the playoffs. But, like, what's Thibault's role? What's P.J. Tucker's role? You know, how are you going to roll this rotation? Is Trez the the guy? I mean, people still complain about Paul Reed not playing. They do. Now's the time to answer that shit, you know? It's going to be a big um, trade deadline for Daryl Morey. I think the the jig is hovering on Daryl Morey right now, whether it's like, is this guy actually a real good GM or is he not? Because you have last year, he obviously trades for Harden, but then you go two years prior when he made those two moves. Um, the guy, the, the guy escapes my, my mind right now. He was the shooter, not George. Is it George? George Niang? No, he, he was, uh, he was the shooter. The point, the, the, the guy they got from Oklahoma city thunder. I forget what his name is, but that didn't pan out in the playoffs. Oh, oh, oh. um, so, you know, I think I think this is going to be a big trade deadline for Daryl Morey in terms of people are like, is he really as good as we believe when we brought him in? You're talking about George Hill. George from, Hill from two years ago, right? Yeah, from two years ago. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, yeah. There's there's marginal improvements that can be made here. I just think you know it's funny because I did like the uh, I did the Isaiah Joe like little write up the other day. It's like you know I think Sixers fans tend to over over. Uh, it's a TJ McConnell zone, Kev. Landry, Landry Shamit, you know, can't get rid of Landry Shamit. Can't get rid of TJ McConnell. Can't get rid of Isaiah Joe. Like Paul Reed's falling into the TJ McConnell Paul zone. Reed's. Yeah, and like I get it. Like you could because you want to see teams like really explore what they have and be 100% sure that like this guy's either going to be part of it or not going to be part of it. And people were upset that they let like Isaiah Joe like f- go for nothing. But it, like if you replaced – Furkan Korkmaz's 10 minutes in the playoffs last year and his five points with Isaiah Joe, what was the difference going to be? Six points in 10 minutes? Or, you know, it was negligible. And you should, it should never – if you're like – you're not winning or losing playoff games based on what the 10th guy in the rotation is doing anyway. So I think two things can be true. I think they probably should have tried to explore a little bit more of what they had with Isaiah Joe when he was here. But Isaiah Joe is a bench player, young, developing 23-year-old bench player on a Thunder team that sucks ass. He's in the perfect situation. Oh, it's a perfect situation for him. I mean, it's easier for a guy like him to come into the league and play for a rebuilding team or a team that's on a different like timeline than the Sixers, you know. So, and you can bitch about Doc, and there's you bitch about the front office. I think it was more of a front office thing to move on from Isaiah Joe anyway. But uh, 
once you get to the playoffs, Pagan, like you're only rolling like eight guys in the second round, nine guys at most anyway. So you're going to have, you know, Niang, Harrell, Shake Milton, whoever's the odd man out from the starting line, if it's, if it's Thibel or if P.J. Tucker moves to the bench or whatever. So by the time you would even get to Isaiah Joe, you'd be on 10 dudes. You're probably not rolling 10 dudes anyway. Or you shouldn't what do you be. You about the, uh, the Anthony the- Sorry. No, I say most of the teams that like that go end up like winning it or whatever. You're only rolling like like eight, you know, in like really 100%. seven five by the time you get to. You know. What do you think about D'Anthony Mountain starting and Tyrese Maxey playing six man minutes? I know that's a big thing right now on Sixers Twitter. I don't know, man, because I haven't seen enough of Maxey post injury to have any kind of like real take on that, you know. But I think that's mm-hmm. like that's that's again, I think it goes to the point of what we we're saying. Like that's the shit that you find out now. You know, like explore mm-hmm. that now and decide if you want to do it or you don't do it. You know, because one of those guys is going to have to come off, come off the bench. You know, even if you you work somebody else in the starting lineup and you take PJ Tucker out of it or you put Thibel in there or something like that, you're going to have every every iteration of a line of a bench lineup is going to have one high use guy out there. Either Harden's going to be out there, Tobias Harris is going to be out there, or Maxie's going to be out there. There's no reason why any of those guys can't run a second unit when you stagger you know it's just doc doc there, there should never be there should never be any point in the game where it's an all bench lineup out there mm-hmm. or where 100 or where one of harden or Embiid is not out there yeah. it, because it just doesn't make sense you've got enough talent on this team to to block those guys up kind of the way that brett brett brown used to separate out simmons and Embiid, so that one of them was always on the floor at the same time so there's no, there, that that's one thing we probably can all agree on you know one hundred percent. No. Um, one more thing before we get out of here. What CFL team is uh, Wentz playing for next year? Ooh, it's pretty bad, isn't it? It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. I just this I don't now, know. This now makes me think that Ron Rivera didn't know they could be eliminated last week. <clears throat> Maybe. I just don't think that, like, it was like I was saying the other day, man, I, I know that Carson Wentz not the future for that team, but I also know that Taylor Heineke's not the future. Right? Do, so you do, roll do you Sam Howell. Future, probably not, too. Probably not, but you roll him anyway and whatever, you know. I just can't believe Carson is the same guy that we watched in 2017 and even in 2019 when he was already on the downslope. I mean, he threw for 4,000 yards and 27 touchdowns and his top three receivers were Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders. Yeah. You know, that seems like an unattainable task now. You know, I, I just wonder how much the, cause we all know like about the guy's mental makeup now, but I just wonder how much the, uh, the concussion and the, and the knee or the ACL, you know, I wonder how much that really did affect him. Cause when you're watching him at, at his best in 2017, man, he was like, he was like a combination. Like a, he was like a more mobile big Ben, you know, he's strong. He would shake guys off. He'd make these amazing plays in the pocket. And now, now, like you say on that, on that blog the other day, he's like stiffer than the pretzel, than the yeah. pretzel, you know, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, I, I think he, uh, I think with them winning the world, uh, winning the Super Bowl, excuse me, he rushed back from that, that knee injury. Cause he wanted to be the guy he was tired. He didn't want to be, you know, let Foles, even take one snap in the regular season and to listen to it all season or all, all season, excuse me. So I, I really do believe that that back wasn't healed as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. The back, I completely forgot about that too. Yeah. The back is, is, is like one that is actually like forgotten about. Yeah. Um, and I think that back really, really messed him up, but 
That was it, the year where McLean was doing like anything he could to get any information out of anybody on that. And it was just like, it was admirable, but I mean, they just weren't going to give anybody, anybody like a, like a morsel on that shit, you know? How much more can a, a human being who's made $130 million, he's only 30 years old, he's as old as I am. How much more can this dude take? I mean, I, I know, I know it's all he's ever done. It's all he knows football and everything, but like, and it's easy for me to sit here and say it's time to retire. But, my man, you got $130 million in the bank. You're 30 years old. You like things outside of – you like hunting. You like Jesus. You like rolling around on your bobcat and stuff. Like, just just walk. I mean, you, you made the money. You, you People would – there's NFL players who would kill to be in your shoes right now who could retire by 30. I mean, he could get into coaching too, you know. I mean, he could go back to North, North Dakota if he wanted to. He could coach there, you know. I – link up with with one of his other coaches at some point i just yeah it's crazy to think that he's probably not even like uh is he backup material at this point i mean are you are you rolling is he is he signing for the rams for five million dollars or three million dollars or something probably if it's if that yeah that's probably the number yeah one year yeah maybe maybe one with an option but that's what it, I don't even know what his contract situation is right now they can, they can buy they got a they got an out this year they have an out on it okay all right um, do you bring him back to Philly? Six one zero, six one zero, six three two. Yeah, uh, should they trade him for Jalen Hurts? Yeah, it's I, crazy. I, man. I just yeah, I, I don't know. You know how I feel about all the Wentz stuff. I, like obviously the guy is what he is now. I just wish that people would would not uh, would just just are just willing to add all the the other context. Like you can say that he was shit in twenty twenty, which is which he was, which is true, but he also didn't have anybody to throw to in twenty twenty, which is also true. It's not it's it's never been a black and white thing with Carson. That's why I always like fight with people over it. I, I think that Fuge, I think that two thousand nineteen run where they made to the playoffs and they lost to the Seattle Seahawks, I think that's the most Fugazi run of all time. I'll be honest with you. I'm in I'm, but I'm in the anti Wentz stuff. Like him winning those four games were against teams with like combined like four hundred winning percentage. It was like that year where no. the what was it? Eight and eight or nine and seven Cowboys won the uh, won the NFC East. I, I just yeah. I don't know. I think that was a Fugazi run. But then again, you can just you compact you go back to the injuries and you just compact these injuries and stuff and everything he's been able to do and and know what he was able to be doing with probably a back that was in, insane, a knee that was hurting him and stuff and concussions and shit. And yeah. Well, you just wonder too. I mean, if the clowny hit never happens, then you have a better answer. Then you finally have an answer for, uh, hey, what does Wentz look like leading the team in the playoffs? You know that he's probably going to finish his career with a with an N slash A next to that on his resume. Like, just not applicable. We never got to see him play a full playoff game, so nobody can nobody can say. The one thing that I do hate is when people say, "Well, Wentz wouldn't have beat Brady in the Super Bowl." I, I I'm in that camp. Yeah, but he had it. you don't fucking know because he didn't play in the game. Yeah, but you don't know he would have. Okay, so we'll do it not applicable for that one, too. You can't say it one way or another. I mean, did we think that Nick Foles was going to be Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? I mean, that was an act of God. Yeah. So. And we talked to Clay Harbor, and, and we know that Nick Foles is one of the greatest preparers of all time. So, yes. That's right. So this yeah, is I what I'm saying here. I don't agree with EJM. Playoffs with Greg Ward as your number one is pretty crazy no matter who you're playing. Yeah, it is. When you're playing teams that are like five and and twelve and they still have a chance at the uh at the NFC East. That is pretty crazy. I don't care if it's Greg Ward or not. I don't yeah. care if it was he still had Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. I don't care yeah. what anyone says. I think he's a bona fide loser. I'm not a Wentz guy, if you can tell. Yeah. I think Foles versus Wentz, the two years after the Super Bowl, I think that took years off my life. 
I was just ready for that to be over. I don't think I could do another story on that. Well, uh, I think I I, asked, I I I want to ask you this question: Was it actually good that Minshew lost these two games? I would say yes for the city of Philadelphia and for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't think there was going to be a Minshew and Hurts quarterback controversy, did you? Kev, there there was one leading up into like there were people calling into the sports radio stations and saying like, listen, you know, if if Minshew's the guy, Minshew's the guy after uh, after Saturday against the Cowboys. There are people that were thinking that they wanted people to love a quarterback going. controversy. Oh, man. People love a quarterback controversy. It's one of the most fun things in the world. Well, I'm just glad I wasn't listening to that. Yeah, and I'm a super fan, so I can. Uh, uh, yeah, these, all these points are valid. Yeah, vote for Pagan. How do, we got to tell the people to vote for you. So what? I, what is this story? The Inquirer did a year end thing with. Uh, I don't know if Craig has it off off top of his head, but I can I can pull it's it. It's in up Slack. Too. You can probably pull it. So Pagan Pagan was nominated for uh, in this Philadelphia Inquirer story. Nominated? I don't know. Was it a nomination? I don't know. Well, you're on there, so I guess yeah, yeah. But it's um, a best best of year. Yeah, under. your favorite. Oh, there it is. Your Philadelphians we loved last year. Pick your favorite celebrity, athlete, fan, and more. I'll drop it to. Uh, to Craig. So for the podcast people who have no idea what we're talking about, because we have more listeners on the podcast forum. Um, there was an article on the Philadelphia Inquirer that basically like at the end of the year said like, vote for your favorite this and vote for your favorite that and vote for your favorite whatever. And Pagan showed up in like the super fan column. <laughs> who are you there with like Monty G? I mean, Monty G, Rob, Rob Dumphy, the guy with the tattoos, Dumph. Uh, Mary Bell Alston, who people see all the time, she had a big run. I want to say during the Sixers playoff run, as well as the Eagles. She was the she was the girl who was dancing, or the woman. She's eighty eight, who was dancing to Janet Jackson. Um, I think she lives down in Florida in the uh, in the old folks' home down there. Cute little old lady. Oh, okay, she used to be from Wayne. Um, and then Six Man, um, and then me. Alan Horowitz. Yeah, there we go. Okay, <laughs> look at your boy spitting image. <laughs> They got your hairline and everything on that too. You yeah, kind of well, look like you look a little bit like Wentz in that. Uh, hey, 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 knock it, knock it off. I look nothing like Wentz in this. I got the uh, the greasy, oily face, yeah. strong jaw though, and that's all. I, that's all I can ask for. You, you give me a strong jaw. You're, I'm the happiest person in the world. I mean, Monty, Monty Gio is like a like a Buddha or something. From, uh, <laughs> you know, so yes, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, is uh, I'm under the uh, Philly sports fan uh, category. Uh, for, I guess, the man-on-the-street stuff that I do. So it's yeah, pretty it's a good description, too. This is well-written. It says, The Crossing Broad sports writer and podcast host is the unofficial conduit of fandom in Philly thanks to his man-on-the-street viral interviews at Phillies and Eagles tailgates with characters like the dude who saw visions of the bird's money line bet in ancient Sanskrit and the elderly fox chase gentleman <laughs> who spilled rolling rock on his custom kicks. That's the best. Um, you know, I, your I best, your best man-on-the-street work, by the way, is when you like quite easily predict like where a person is from. Yeah, it's 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 it's, yeah. it's, it's a hidden town of mine. Yeah, what uh, part of the Northeast are you from? Pause. Fox chase. Fox chase. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, bring that back up. I want to see how I'm doing, Craig. Vote, vote for me. Don't be a dick. Vote for me and let's see what the numbers are. And you could vote as many times as you want. Oh man. Also, I'm also I'm also towing the line between like. Do I want to advertise this and be, you know, that dickhead that like wants all the votes and, and then be like a guy who's like too cool to like advertise? Will you, f yeah. Craig? It didn't oh, work. He's refusing to vote. He will not vote. <laughs> all right, I voted. I'm up. I'm up. I'm winning. 
That's a good question. Are you a douche if you like ask people to keep voting for yeah. you? Yeah. Like people have tagged me in Instagram stories. And I'm like, I'm not reposting this shit. Then I look like yeah. a douche. But like, then again, for my career, I want to win because they probably do another write up where it's like, you know, this is yeah. the Philly super fan. And then it drives people back to Crossing Broad, drives people back to TikTok, it drives people back to all this stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of in a predicament, you know, Kev? It's and then we get, and then we, yeah. And then we get clicks off of it. Yeah. Then we get clicks off of it. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm up 36% right now. Dumphy's at 27. Mary Bell Austin's at 15%. Monty G's at 13%. The sixth man. Sixth man's got to utilize his platform, man. He's at 7.7%. Alan Horwitz, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's connected to David Adelman. He is connected to David Adelman. We'll see if they stuff the ballots. You'll probably stuff the ballots for me, the way you look right now. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's Horwitz <laughs> on there. He looks like Grampy Rabbit from Peppa Pig in that, in that little uh, thing there. Hey, there we oh, go. Oh, you're winning. Are you winning? I'm winning. I'm winning. Oh. Yeah, it's you and Dumpf one and two here. I haven't even utilized. I haven't even uh, wow. mobilized the TikTok crowd yet. Just wait. Wow. You yeah. get you get uh, like everybody who watched the Aunt uh, Aunt Lisa video to vote. Then you're mm -hmm. good. Here. You have like 500,000 people watch that TikTok. You know, yeah, it's, it was wild. The other one did even even more. Did like three three million. The guy who was uh, was not going to rehab if the uh, if the if the Eagles lost, yeah, yeah. Um, very introspective from him. That was that was deep. You know how you know how when you uh, when you look at like the voting structure of like when we're voting in primaries and 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 the presidential election stuff, and you see like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, and they're both blue, mm -hmm. and then everywhere else in Pennsylvania is all red and everything. Mm -hmm. I feel like if we were doing like if I was blue, like I would have Delco and the Northeast, and then like Montgomery County, Bucks County. Uh, Chester <laughs> County would all be red. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I would yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, but I would be like, but you know what? I mean, it, it just depends on the population. So hopefully, the populations of the Northeast and Delco, yeah, are, uh, are humming right now. Well, then if this, then if you've then ran for president, you would win North Wildwood too. I would win North Wild. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how many people from North. I got to mobilize the North Wildwood people. Yeah, yeah. You've already mobilized them though. You're probably double dipping because it's probably just the people from Delco and the Northeast going down there for vacation. So wait, wait, wait. Dunphy would get Northeast Philly. He is from Bridesburg. Philly captain not being on this list is actually yeah. a shame. There's a lot of good. Yeah, captain should be on there. There's a lot of uh, Bridesburg per capita produces more like solid, you know, like players in the scene than most neighborhoods. Bridesburg is very small. It's like like one street in, one street out. I don't want to be. I don't want to be crass, and I don't want to be cocky. But I could go toe to toe with Dumphy in Northeast. Yeah, we should do our if we ever do a live crossing broadcast. I think our first one should be in Bridesburg. No, oh, yeah. Frankfurt and Common. At Frankfurt and Common. At the Reales or Reals or whatever the hell they call it. <laughs> I'm telling you, live from the music store. Is that music store still there? People know. from the yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, people, it's it's sandwiched by like three different banks. Yeah. Um, yeah. People love me in the Northeast. People still come to me every day. Be like, I met you in the Northeast. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, did I tell you that the guy I bought a uh, shirt from a guy from the, and the guy who did the design on the shirt happened was the guy who was drinking out of like the table leg at, at the uh, Philly celebration or whatever. I was, it was a soccer ball with like a skull on it or something. I was like, Oh, this is like my brand here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the shit. Who did this? And the guy pointed me to the artist and he's like, hey, I'm the dude who was drinking out of like the candlestick or the table chair, whatever it was, the chair leg at the uh, 
small world, man. I don't know how that all works out. There's like 5 million people in this region. And, you know, Je- I, Jesse- I, buy, I, yeah, I buy the same thing. Jesse Goldberg checking in. <laughs> Russ would receive zero votes. Wrong. Russ would get the Pottsville vote. Russ would get the coal miners. He would he would be able to mobilize the coal miners, the the, the Flyers fans up in Pottsville, yeah. and he yeah. would get about twenty votes from Pottsville because Russ Russ getting Russ getting the Pottsville vote is like when the Democrat wins Vermont every year and they get like two electoral votes. You know, it's, it's not even a, it doesn't even move the needle. You know, but then but then one of the Pottsville Flyers fans would be like, "Wait, he's still bitching about Giroux not giving a formal apology, a, a formal thank you to the fans." I'm out on him. <laughs> Yeah, Russ has been threatening to to kill Claude Giroux on the site for like a year now, and it hasn't happened. So I'm not I'm not holding my breath waiting for the uh, anti G column. You know? yeah, who writes the first blog, uh, Russ or or the Maestro? I think Maestro, who doesn't even work for Crossing Broad anymore, probably writes a story on the site before <laughs> Russ ever does. Russ yeah, is yeah. one of those guys who's like, I'm gonna do this, you know, yeah. or I'm gonna I'm planning on doing that. And that never happens, you know. But he's got a full time job making money for us. So it's know, true. Give, we wouldn't be we wouldn't have this job right now if it wasn't for Russ. Yeah. My favorite thing, my favorite thing, not to pile on Russ anymore. Well, to pile on Russ more, but he would always like write like three paragraphs like explaining about like what he's gonna do or what he thinks he's gonna do. And I'm like, <laughs> you just wrote the whole story right there. Just take these three paragraphs and copy and paste them into the into the thing and you got a story right there this is a post you know? it's the best it's the best he's 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 an animal he's an animal uh i love him we have to get him back on sometime shortly yeah david uh lives 15 miles from pottsville he's going to give you two votes all right make sure you go vote in your town and then vote in pottsville as well we're allowed to yeah. multiple multiple votes here but i'm winning right now we gotta we, we do have to worry about the mail-in votes i wonder what the mail-in votes will be saying yeah you know the democrats are going to come in later and just do a dump they're gonna, they're gonna <laughs> drop. They're just gonna dump it on Mary Bell Austin. Yeah, yeah. Mary Bell Austin yeah. at midnight came out of nowhere. Here's the thing: even if you win this pagan, you're not gonna be able to really like declare victory until uh, Dunphy's lawsuit wraps up. <laughs> you don't think you don't think Dunphy will concede? No, I don't think you are in line. Stay in line. I I will stop to steal. If I if I lose to Mary Bell Austin at midnight, I will I will be down at the convention center and shouting stop to steal. Stop to steal. I I guess we can end it on this. Do you remember like when they had the video camera running 24 seven of like the voting place in Philadelphia where they were counting ballots or whatever? There's just this fixed camera showing people dropping off ballots and shit. I watched it for 10 minutes and I was like bored to tears. I'm like, there's absolutely nothing happening. It was just like employees just sitting there in chairs. So I think like these watchdog people who do all this political stuff, like Godspeed to you. I wouldn't last three seconds doing that job. Dude, it's like it's like the TikTok lies when you go to like you're out in China and someone's like in an iPhone uh, factory and they're just like stuffing iPhones and putting iPhones together and they have like a thousand to two thousand followers, just people watching. And I'm like, people got to have better things to do with their lives. It's wild. Stop the steal. Vote for Pagan. And then he can display his uh, award like the Emmy. I got to move it back, don't I? <laughs> no, you got to keep it there. People need to know this is an award winning show, even though it's not this show that's award winning. There you go. Yeah, well, uh, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> hey, vote all, vote early, vote often. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Vince Basile for coming on. Thanks for him for saving a life and, and, and giving us some good juju heading into the playoffs because, God damn, do we need it. 
Thank you, when, Kevin. When Cage. Angelo does uh, does winner of the week and Weasel of the week, Vince has to be the winner of the week. And the guy who passed out is Weasel of the week. Thank you to everybody who's listening to Crossing Broadcast. I will talk to you next Tuesday. Go Birds! We're getting the number one seed. Have a great, great day.